This right here is the Twib Clarity. You are now listening to Twib FM. Real talk, real awesome. Finally, I'm finally free. Finally, I'm finally me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Thank you for listening in. Welcome back. We had a two-week hiatus from the holiday, so I hope everybody had a really great holiday, good Thanksgiving, and uh, thank you for listening in live tonight. Our guest is Keith Walker. He is the director of the film Kimosabi, and he is going to talk to us about that film, about the story, and also what he did and how he was able to successfully get a Kickstarter campaign going and get his film made. Um, also, we have crew members from Kimosabi that's joined us tonight as well. So if you have questions for our guests, you can do a few things. You can go to the TWIB website, which is twib.fm forward slash live. There's a chat room. You can listen in live and converse with other TWIB users there. Or you can go on Twitter if you're already there. Just use the hashtag BGN podcast. That puts you into the feed and allows you to comment along with other live listeners, and you can ask your questions there and um, also leave your comments there, and we'll be happy to retweet those and address those while we're doing the show. And you can also give us a call if you want to call in and speak to our guests, ask us questions. The TWIB number is 718-404-9320. Again, it's 718-404-9320. My co-host tonight is LaTanya, and I will pass the virtual mic over to her in a second. But before I start, just want to make a few announcements. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope everyone had a great holiday and, um, you know, that you guys were able to uh, either if you did elect to do your shopping this weekend, you got some good deals. If you didn't, I didn't choose to shop. Um, It's good to see that uh, a lot of the situations with the protests that have been happening in Ferguson and uh, a lot of the protests that have been happening recently um, after the Eric Garner uh, decision that came about, that it did have an impact on Black Friday sales. So uh, kudos to Black Twitter and many folks out there, social justice warriors that are really um, building and mobilizing the effort um, to, you know, stand your ground and, and let people know that what's happening right now is not right. So Just want to give a shout out for that. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, I think right before we went to break, myself and Vixen Varsity, VixenVarsity.com, we did a a little giveaway. So uh, the Save Storm, hashtag Save Storm giveaway happened um, as a result of some declining sales from Greg Pak's Storm comic. So just want to give a shout out to everybody that participated. Shout out to all the winners. We gave away a lot of digital comics. I gave away some extra buttons. Um, And then also Vixen Varsity on her site gave away signed copies from Greg Pak himself. So um, thank you for that. And also uh, stay tuned because there's going to be some more giveaways happening with the Save Storm campaign. And there's currently a giveaway happening with The Legend of the Montemagi. We're giving away some digital comics there and also some signed copies from Eric Dean Seaton, who was our guest uh, not too long ago, I believe right before we uh, went on hiatus. So check that out. That's on blackgirlnerds.com. 
All right, so passing the virtual mic over, Latanya, feel free to introduce yourself, let us know what's going on, your social media shout outs. Sure. Hey guys, I'm Latanya. Um, I run a website called sprinkledandbooze.com, which is a cheeky party life and style blog, and it's fun and insane and all that fun stuff. Um, you could find me on Facebook and Instagram as Sprinkles and Booze, and on Twitter, I'm Sprinkles in the letter N, like Nancy Booze. Um, what have I been up to? I've been making a lot of crafts. I also have not been partaking in any shopping at all for the same reasons as Jamie. And I, so instead I just been making a lot of weird things because I like creating things out of foam and glitter. Um, and let's see, I guess I could tell you something interesting that happened this weekend. I made a sandwich out of pancakes for dinner yesterday because <laughs> I am the adult that I always wanted to be when I was a child and it was awesome and delicious. And I recommend it to everybody. I put eggs and bacon in it. Um, yeah, so that's it, I guess. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to be creative. You got to, you know, find some resources when yeah, needed man, to do what you need delicious, to do. And I have no regrets. Awesome. I love that. Well, I'm going to introduce our guests and we're going to start with our interview. Keith Walker is the director of Kimo Sabi, a dark comedy web series. Um, that was created by himself as well as Devin Etling and starring Keith Walker himself, Devin Elting, I'm sorry, and Diana Sanchez. The show follows the life of Miles Foreman, a man who was diagnosed with cancer but is no longer in remission. Miles is forced to start treatment with the help of his sister and best friend, Death. Keith Walker is a director and screenwriter known for his autobiographical short, Chemo, A Love Story. The film had a successful run at the Hoboken, Miami, and Cannes short film festival in 2012. Walker is also a playwright and his work has made it into the Strawberry One Act Festival sponsored by the Ryan Theater. He is also working on a play called The Cancer Chronicles where he's interviewed over 150 people affected by cancer. Thank you for coming on to the show tonight, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And if you don't mind, can you introduce us as well uh, to uh, some of the crew members that you have for Kimasabi that's here? Sure. I got uh, my director of photography, Julia Sherman. Say hi, hi Julia. <laughs> and I'm uh, sitting right next to Diana Sanchez, who is an actress who plays my sister. Hello. I'm currently waving at the computer. <laughs> you can feel it. We felt it. And I apologize for mispronouncing your name. It's Diana. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question uh, to Keith you know, Kimosabi, it's a very personal story, obviously. Um, you know, it's, it's basically your life that you're telling because it's based off of your own experience with cancer. Um, so do you mind sharing us the kind of cancer that you were diagnosed with? And why did you create a web series about it? Uh, sure. So uh, I was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Uh, it's an incurable blood disease where lesions can form along the bone. And how I found out was pretty interesting, too. Uh, I was doing a stand-up set at the New York Comedy Club, and I passed out. Uh, next thing I know, I'm in the hospital nursing a crazy headache with needles in my arm. I was there for about three days before I was told I had cancer. And it's funny, um, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I didn't cry. I wasn't instantly sad. I thought, one, 
this is going to be the best diet ever <laughs> to that I was going to look good going bald. I thought I was going to look like Sam Jackson or Ving Rhames. Nope. I just ended up looking like an ashy Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> and, Not uh, Uncle Fester, but an uh, ashy Uncle Fester. <laughs> no less. Uncle Fester. They have no lotion in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's interesting because you couldn't really tell I was sick until I was deep in the treatment. And get this, I was able to keep my diagnosis a secret for about six months. Yeah. Um, so going back to the question, uh, the idea for Kimasabi came from late night conversations with my roommate. Uh, anyway, we began to talk about the lack of movies and shows that deal with people in their 20s and 30s living with cancer. Uh, another note we wanted to hit on was, what's it like for family members and friends of the cancer patients? We never really see or hear their struggle in all of this. It's funny. You're either really young and innocent and have cancer, or a cynical, lovelorn teenager who has cancer, or maybe you're in that Cynthia Nixon wit category where you're older, wiser, and you still have cancer. But what about the middle area, you know? And uh, the great thing is there are so many issues I have the opportunity of bringing up because we're not limited to two hours. I feel telling just the story of the cancer patient would be an incredible disservice to the wonderful cast of actors I have the opportunity of working with. Wow. Wow. That's, that's very poignant to, to bring that up. And you're, first of all, congrats to getting your project fully funded. You Thank decided you. to go through Kickstarter and you guys actually went over budget. You raised $3,171 of the 2,500 goal. Um, back in August. So what stage of production is Kimosabi currently in? Uh, we just finished filming all of our major episodes, actually. Uh, so we just have a couple more pickups to do, and then we are done. And we plan on releasing episode one in February. Uh, we will have a total of nine episodes uh, because I am a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right, passing it over to you, LaTanya. First of all, I would like to say you are so brave and awesome, and I love that you're like such an inspiration for people that are probably in the same situation you've been in, and I just want to thank you for that because it's awesome. Um, but um, I love the style in which you chose to depict your situation. It's a very heavy, dark, like you know, thing for a lot of people. Um, what made you just like what inspired you to? choose the style and what you shot it in and film your experiences the way that you did sure uh, so i am a huge fan of the twilight zone rod serling was an amazing writer i'm also a huge fan of buffy mumblecore and woody allen films with that in mind uh this will not be a glossy show it's going to mm -hmm. be a lot like shameless having cancer sucks and the comedy comes from the absurdity of the situation the characters are put in uh, like I said before, this is a dark comedy, so mm -hmm. there will be several moments where we get to embrace the silly. Uh, we have a nightmare episode, complete with Romero zombies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> metaphor! Oh my gosh, It's what's for so dinner. Much fun. <laughs> uh, we have a Twilight Zone-themed episode, because let me tell you, chemo is a hell of a drug. <laughs> and uh, I had the pleasure of working with green screen for the first time. And that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, 
you know, a couple things we will be discussing is how do you date someone with cancer? How mm -hmm. do you make sure you're not using your diagnosis to be a dick? Mm -hmm. And most importantly, how do people come to grips with their own mortality when they are suddenly reminded that they won't live forever? Um, and I also, I also wanted to shed some light on a couple of things no one ever talks about the rivalry of different cancer groups. <laughs> <gasps> That's a yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the crazy <laughs> things people will say. So like people will discriminate against other patients because they still have their hair or wow. their Indian hair. And my favorite example is when I played touch football with a cancer meetup group. Uh, so we're all huddled around and it's, it's supposed to be like a nice exhibition. So I'm in the huddle and the guy, he says, you know, Jed over there, he has testicular cancer. So after the ball snaps, just, just touch him in the testes. Just give him a little tap. Just give him a little tap. Just mess with him. And I was like, what? And there was another incident where a guy was saying, all right, so Ben, he has brain cancer. So when you look at him, like, just, just, if you can, you, if you can crisscross your eyes, do that and drool a little bit and he'll be confused. And I was like, who are these people? Needless to say, I haven't been back since because people are crazy. It, it, it was it was a crazy experience. Um, so what about what about you, Julia? Talk about the style a little bit. Yeah, yeah um, I think, you know, what really kind of drew me to it initially was um, telling a, a very serious <laughs> and um, real heavy story through a comedic lens. Um, I when I first read the scripts, that's what really struck me about it. And that's something that um, I think we've worked pretty hard to capture is the, the, um, the comedy that comes in these moments of darkness, the, the light that you sort of have to shed when you're going through something so heavy. Um, so we've just worked really hard from a, an artistic standpoint to try and capture that in the way that, you know, especially um, some of these uh, crazier dream sequences. Um, my favorite, my personal favorite was um, working on the uh, Twilight episode, um, talking about that, the feeling of sort of being high on all these drugs and um, what you see and, and how sometimes it is a little, when you come out of it, that um, looking back on it or the comedy that's in that, um, situation, you know, you really kind of have to step outside of yourself for a minute. And, um, so that's something I think we've all as a team have worked very hard to capture. Um, yeah. Diana, anything to add on? <laughs> well, I mean, I play the character Net, who's Miles' sister. And, um, you know, for me, it was about finding her journey and figuring out her relationship with Miles, the brother character that Keith plays. And um, when Keith first approached me about the project, you know, about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, I would say now, you know, I didn't really know anything about the cancer that he has. I didn't really know anything about web series in that sense. And so I was like, I think this is going to play really well for this character because she doesn't have a close relationship with her brother at all. I mean, they're like, brother and sister, but they're sort of like estranged. And so I use a lot of my own not knowing and to try to figure out her world within all of that. 
um, to fuel some of her confusion and to fuel um, how she was going to, you know, have that relationship with her brother and still be there for him and still be in her own world. And um, so I found that to be, to help me a lot. And um, I read, you know, the episode several times to sort of get a gist of where she is and, you know, um, how other people react to her because she is this famous model actress. <laughs> and so, you know, people have these very interesting reactions to her that she's never experienced before in such a closed situation. So um, for me, it was a lot of discovering those relationships. And a lot of it too came out on set, you know, because we had a lot of room to play. We got to improvise a lot with each other and um, that really helped the character to come alive. So, yeah. We got okay. a question. Yeah, oh, we got go a ahead. question on um, Twitter really quick. Uh, this is from Lauren, who moderates our BGM podcast Twitter account. Uh, she actually has some experience with um, members of her family having cancer. She says, as a kid of a cancer survivor, I'm interested to know how people who have been affected by it have reacted to the show. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, well, uh, people who have seen the prologue who are affected, uh, they've been pretty positive about it. Um, I've been talking with Stupid Cancer, uh, which is one of the largest uh, cancer organizations for uh, young adults, and uh, they loved it. They gave me their full support, um, and uh, I'm going to be on their show soon. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I'm really happy with... Uh, what we're doing and people seem to be happy you know it's dangerous because i was afraid uh to do a comedy but that's who i am and the first thing that comes to me in any situation is the comedy so even though i'm in this terrible situation it's it's you know it laughing is powerful it really is mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to jump what? on that real quick and just say that I, I think it takes a very special sort of craft or skill to take a, a a situation like this and fine tune the, you know, really find the create the, sorry, comedic moments. You know, Definitely. I think there's a real art and a craft and it takes really gentle hands to put something like that together. And Keith's done a really wonderful job with the scripts um, mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see how that, you know, um, how people react to that as well once it comes out and uh, if they can see that sort of care that really goes into creating comedy out of a, a dark situation. Yeah. All right. I um, have another question. Um, so I love a good bromance, anything that involves <laughs> like two dudes that get along and it's adorable. I'm all about um, and it seems like the main character, Miles, has a really interesting bromance with his best friend, Death. Um, in the prologue, it's mentioned that Death is actually considered more of a dick. Why is he more of a dick? Like, <laughs> what makes him Just curious. Well, Death and Miles' relationship is very much like a Calvin and Hobbes, Charlie Brown, Snoopy relationship. The reason I say Death is a dick is because he is always there. He's like that annoying fly continuously buzzing around your ear. Um, 
you know, I also want to say that death is not a malevolent character. Um, that's all I will say about death. I would leave <laughs> it. That's all right. <laughs> so tell us uh, a little bit about your film production experience. And this also is for, uh, for Julia. Um, did you go to school for it? And what is some advice that you can give budding filmmakers out there that are interested in creating their own web series? Sure. Uh, so me personally, I didn't go to a film school, but I did go to a uh, conservatory in the city, actually. Um, uh, it wasn't until I was sick uh, that I felt the need to make movies. I was watching Woody Allen's Annie Hall, one of my favorite films. And uh, there's a line in the film that sort of Falcon punched me in the stomach. Um, I've seen this movie a thousand times. Maybe not a thousand. But it feels like it. But anyway, um, after I lost the girl I fell in love with, um, I realized that I could keep her alive through film. And uh, there was a line that it just hit me. And I always use this as a mantra. Uh, it goes, we're always trying to get things right through art that we couldn't in life. And after that realization, oh, it was go time. I started buying books on filmmaking, learning about camera lenses, uh, watching documentaries, the works. And uh, uh, before I hand it off to Julia, I just want to say uh, to budding filmmakers, dreams are nice, but dreams don't make reality. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go out there and make it happen. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some nights where you're going to be typing away into the witching hour. That's about 3 a.m. for you non-witches and warlocks. Uh, <laughs> keep at it. Keep experiencing life. Also, production meetings have production meetings have lots and lots of production meetings. Also, use the resources you have. Don't be afraid to include your friends in your work. They want to help you. Trust me. Mm. For instance, if you're looking for a location and your apartment isn't the right fit for a character, simply ask your friend if you can shoot in their apartment. My good friend uh, Ray Fisher, who's playing Cyborg in the Batman Superman movie, actually let us use his apartment for a couple scenes. It was pretty nice of him. Um, but yeah, so Julia, feel free to take over. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have a similar background. I studied drama at NYU, and then I graduated, and I kind of thought, okay, how do I make money with a drama degree? And um, and how do I, you know, keep creating? I'd left this sort of safe network of constantly creating and was kind of pushed out into the real world and needed an outlet to keep doing it. And the... Um, my sort of first um, move into the film world came after working on a, as an actor on a really bad web series, and then realizing that oh, maybe I could do maybe I could do it not quite so bad. So <laughs> I um, uh, wrote my web series, Drunk Girls in Heels. A little selfless plug there, um, <laughs> and that and it really was just a matter of. Do you want, you know, getting people together and saying, do you want to do this thing? It's kind of crazy. Should we just do it? And, and that's how I started was really just picking stuff up. And, um, a lot like what Keith said was I stopped waiting for the projects to come to me. And I just sat down and, uh, you know, took, did the long nights and put in the time and made my own work. And, um, so, I mean, that's really my best advice for somebody interested in making their own series is, you know, 
don't let things like money or inexperience or what, you know, whatever you think it is that's holding you back stop you because everybody has a friend with a camera. Everybody has a friend who has a cousin who once worked on a, you know, was a PA on a thing or, you know, mm-hmm. you have to reach out to the network that you have. And um, if you get people excited about what you're doing, it's very easy to convince people to work on it for little or no money, you know, and, and that right. helps. So that's my experience. Yeah, I that's- totally agree. Um, coming from an acting point of view, you know, you're waiting by the phone or you're waiting for the callback or you're waiting for the audition. And, you know, it sort of gets to this point where you are like, okay, where is the work going to come from? And so I think, you know, just to piggyback off of what Keith and Julia said, um, it's very important that when you do have this idea or this inkling to create, you should definitely go for it. Um, There are people who are going to support you. You just have to be really excited and really, you know, adamant about what you want to do and and take charge. Um, I had done you know, mostly theater things. And I wanted to take my career in a more TV and film direction. And I didn't have a lot of experience either. I mean, I come from a drama background as well. Um, Communication, you know, some film work at school. And I didn't really know how to go about making a reel, you know, like reels are really important now. So I was like, all right, how do I even go about doing this? And so a friend of mine approached me about writing for his project. And I was like, writing, I don't even know if I could do that. So I kind of just took a chance and um, we wrote for um, a pilot that we submitted for the television um, festival here in New York. And so that gave me some really great footage. And so now I have that on my website, you know, and I'll have Kimosabi on my website as well when that goes up. So it's really about, you know, making those opportunities for yourself when you don't see them coming from elsewhere. And really just believing in your work and knowing that that what you're doing is awesome. And other people will start believing in it as well. So, yeah. Excellent advice from all of you. Appreciate that. We got a couple of questions on Twitter, so I'll take it to Twitter on this. Uh, this is from Sharif Jackson, friend of the show. He says, will a person without experience with cancer, either personally or through family and friends, get the details? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm not exactly sure the details of what per se. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we try, we're basically, we're not going to dumb it down, but we're going to make sure that people understand, um, uh, basically understand what our, uh, I guess what's the cancer series. Um, as far as, uh, um, sorry, I'm brain farting here a little bit. I guess I'm trying to understand the question fully, but um, we're not going to dumb it down. We're going to make it accessible. And like I said, the important part of the series is not just to focus on the cancer patient, but the uh, family and the friends and everyone connected. Yeah, Mm. it's very important. I hope I answered your question. (laughs) I hope I did. (laughs) And then we have from Artistic Drapes, who has a question for the cast. Um, what legacy does each actor want this project to leave? Oh. Wow. Um, 
What legacy? Well, I'm the only actor here. Keith, too. <laughs> you, you can chime in, Keith. I could. That's a deep um, question. Yeah. That's a deep question. Yeah, that's yeah. a really, really deep question. I'm going to need a second oh. to think about that. <laughs> well, what I want, as far as legacy is concerned, is for people to stop having toxic shame. When we're young adults and we have cancer, we have this toxic shame that we think that no one will understand us, um, that we think that we can't be ourselves. Um, I want people to watch this and even if they have cancer or not, come out and be, this is the person who I am. Um, it doesn't take something as traumatic as cancer to experience life. And that's basically what I want from this series, to my legacy, I suppose. It's not just for the cancer patients, but for everyone um, to come out and, 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 and say, I can do this. There's nothing greater than crawling out of the primordial soup of mediocrity and looking at yourself and saying, I did it. Yeah, I mean, I want to say, too, that as far as legacy goes, just in my work in general, um, inspire, you know, young lives to do something positive and to watch something and see positive characters, even when we're talking about something that is very difficult to talk about. Um, and it's really hard for, not hard, but it's very limited to find roles like that. And I feel like um, part of my legacy as an artist is to shine light on those roles and um, do them justice, you know, because I don't know a lot of people that have siblings that have cancer, but I know that once our show is out there, that will be exposed. And so I know that my character will be looked at, you know, as an example, like not so much as this is how you deal with it, but these, this is a way, <laughs> you know? So that's definitely part of my legacy overall. It's like a textbook, but not really. You can skim a couple pages. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, on Twitter, Sharif Jackson, he's restating the question. This was a question earlier about, will the audience get the details? So he says, does the series assume a basic level of understanding of cancer and its effects? Ah, thank you for clearing that up. Sorry, I couldn't understand you at first. Um, yes, uh, there will be a basic understanding. Uh, there's going to be hospital scenes where there's exposition where we explain things to you. Mm -hmm. um, but I am a big fan of British series, and I think British series have a great way of giving the exposition along with the action so you won't feel lost and confused and we also you know we assume that you're intelligent about certain details so yeah we worked really hard actually about that we had to change a couple lines and a couple of things here or there um, to make sure that it is as accessible for the people who don't have cancer and uh, also without um, basically hearing things cancer patients have heard time and time and again it's a a, a fine line um, but I think we've done it. I think so too. I will. I will agree. Because just reading reading the script also, and not knowing anything about cancer at all, um, as you go through each episode, you start to put the puzzle together. And also having a net as a character that comes into the situation as blind as the audience. And I think that's why shows like Orange is the, new, uh, is the New Black work, 
because you have certain characters who are put into this situation that are the eyes of the audience. Mm -hmm. We we talked a lot too about um, the confusion and the you know just the overwhelming amount of information that you get when you're going through something like this as both patient and family member and how there is a a, a lot of you it's a hard concept to fully wrap your head around even when you know what's going on so we tried to capture that as well that it is a confusing disease and a lot of people especially I think family members do have a hard time comprehending exactly what goes into cancer and the treatment and life with cancer and this is my last question before I toss it over to LaTanya um, and you kind of went over this a little bit how did you assemble your cast and crew? Were they initially um, just friends that you got together to be a part of this project, or did you place an ad seeking talent? How did you get your, your cast and crew together for Kimo Sabi? Uh, it was both, actually. I'm a big fan of working with the same cast and crew. Uh, I suppose it's because I like to think of my actors as a company and a playhouse. Uh, so what I usually do is cast actors I have already worked with in lead roles, while holding auditions for supporting characters. So it's pretty much a revolving door of talent. Nice. And yeah, Latanya, oh, go just, ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, but as far as the casting goes, I think we just met through a friend and then you've just had me in mind. How did that even happen? You haven't even told me this story. <laughs> <laughs> I like you're going to be in my movie and that's it. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually really interesting how like my cat, people think I'm probably like stalking them, but like I will see or hear them speak at a certain event and I go, oh, I bet they'd be a really good actor or an actress. I know they are. And then I will like randomly Facebook them at like 3 a.m. when I'm working on a script. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> All right. Um... As a creative, I love seeing people take an idea and, and turn it into the reality and make it something that's real that you share with everyone. Um, before Kickstarter, before you launched your campaign, how did you fund your project and what words of advice can you give other creatives to make their reality or their dream their reality? Sure. So there are several different ways to make money if you don't have a Kickstarter. Depending on what kind of show it is, you could always rent out a space and host a live show. You could always have a weekly show or bi-weekly show, charge 10 bucks, and before you know it, you reach your goal within a year. Uh, that's kind of what I did with uh, Chemo, A Love Story. I did it, it was a play first, mm -hmm. and uh, I, that's pretty much how I raised a lot of the money. Um, also, you could go to small mom and pop stores and ask them if you could shoot a scene or two in their establishment. Uh, let me tell you, folks, bartering is not dead. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, serious, I'm serious. You know, yeah. just tell them you'll film a commercial for them in exchange to film in their establishment. Um, I'm also a big fan of Indiegogo anyway. Uh, not only do they have an amazing support team, they also have flexible funding if you reach your goal. Um, now, with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. Uh, if you do decide to do Kickstarter, uh, make sure you have great perks. I cannot stress that enough. Um, don't have just a t-shirt or a DVD because anyone can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite perks we did for Kimasabi was for $5, you will receive a 
Kimasabi wristband that says, what's a cancer story without a wristband? Um, <laughs> also, if you do offer a DVD, make sure it has great special features. Uh, for Kimasabi, we're going to have episode commentary with ours. Um, what do you have to say about that, Julia? Any words of wisdom to the kitties out there? Yeah, well, I kind of, I don't know if this is a show is sponsored by Kickstarter. I kind of come from the idea, the school of like anti-crowd fundraising. I think that um, when I did my web series, we put together a really well-written proposal and we went to people that we knew were interested mm -hmm. in either, we went to people who we knew either had, you know, money that, donating $500 or donating a specific piece of equipment or a thing, you know, a very specific thing that we needed wouldn't be a huge um, loss for them. And we really presented it to them as a business to say, you know, this is not just for one web series. This is going to launch not just my career, but every person who's working on it. It's a, it's a platform for everybody involved. And we I believe in kind of taking that route when you approach people and say, you're investing in, uh, you know, my future, you're investing in a whole team of people's future. Um, but I love your advice, Keith, about, um, you know, going to um, establishments and bartering. Uh, there's a lot to be said for um, favors. <laughs> this is definitely a business where <laughs> Um, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. It's right. very important. Um, so I, I always am willing to be the person, you know, to do free PA work or, yeah, I'll hold your boom for you or whatever it is because I know eventually one day I'm going to call you up and say, remember that, uh, that weird project that I held the boom for like three hours for? Well, I need somebody to come do that for me today. And uh, so just you know, network and, and be the guy or girl who's willing to do the, the less glamorous jobs for free, because those will come back to you. You're going to need people like that in the future. Yeah. And you'd be surprised like how many people will actually help out. Like I know when I did a project a few years ago, um, making a list of people that you know, and just Mm -hmm. remembering the things that they do and it'll be anything from like cooking or making sandwiches or you know um coming onto set to move things around or to help drive people from location to location or carry things i mean it's you you really have to look to see how many people you have because you'd be surprised how willingly people will do things for you when you believe in something mm-hmm Awesome. Um, what are the top three things one should do when facing something terrifying, like a serious illness? Like, what are the top three things that you would recommend to keep okay. in your mind? Bust out those pens and papers. <laughs> All, right. All right. Time to learn from my mistakes. All right. For number one, do not keep it a secret like I did. I kept my diagnosis a secret for six months. Wow. Also, be patient with yourself and others. Remember, we all go through our own personal hell. For some, it may resemble Dante's Inferno, while others, a very, very long game of Monopoly. Uh, number two, cry. <laughs> cry a lot. It's okay. 
uh, I've learned that strength comes from empathy. Uh, I was holding on to my anger for the longest time. My old roommate kicked me out of his apartment because he thought I was contagious, which is silly. Uh, the women I would date would no longer be interested in me because I was sick and so forth and so forth. It was tough, but things started to get easier when I was able to see it from their point of view. Uh, no matter how absurd or silly the situation will become, and trust me, it will be Looney Tunes crazy at times, but being able to empathize is your greatest weapon. It makes you evolve, it makes you a better humanist, it makes you unstoppable. Um, so never lose your humanity. And uh, three, take the time to learn something new. For me, it was baking. I am obsessed with baking. <laughs> None of my roommates are complaining about it. Neither am I. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it relaxes me. Like, my roommates know, like, if I'm baking at 3 a.m. in the morning, that I'm either in pain or I'm really stressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so find whatever relaxes you. Because trust me, there will be times when you'll be alone and your thoughts will turn on you. I can't stress enough how important it is to take the time to find yourself through art or whatever outlet. That is excellent advice. And uh, I, I just feel like that... it's excellent life advice. Yeah, too. that's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> like even it's if you're not good, like information. Through, yeah, <laughs> even if you're not suffering from an illness um, or going through a cancer diagnosis, I just think in general that's some really good advice to do. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Sure. So um, this is not your first time working on a film about cancer. You also directed a short called Chemo, a Love Story. How did the audience react to that film? Uh, they really liked it. Uh, I originally made it to heal myself and to celebrate the human spirit. Like I said, it is a true story. I, uh, I met a lovely woman named Cindy in the hospital, and we fell in love. Uh, she was getting better and I was getting worse until one day she stopped breathing. Um, yeah, and it, it that Woody Allen line I mentioned earlier, that was kind of the turning part, point to everything. I wanted to tell a slice of life kind of story. It's interesting, I get random emails from people all the time telling me how much they enjoy the short film. Uh, I had no idea really other people would be interested in even hearing this kind of story because there's so many 80s references and so it's, i find it to be such a weird movie like i make alice and acid land jokes people <laughs> love weird like yeah I, I, people <laughs> really love the random references the silly humor and i guess the overall honesty of the piece um to be honest i'm pretty sure the only reason it went to any festival is because of uh, Chantal Aeong, Aeong's beautiful cinematography and uh, and Justin Ledeau's mesmerizing score. Those two, uh, they saw my play when it was a play and uh, Chantal came up to me and she she mentioned that you should make this into a film. And I was like, listen, nobody wants to watch this garbage. <laughs> you, nobody wants to watch me emote for, you know, 20 minutes. Um, but boy, was I wrong. And uh, I have the letters to prove it. <laughs> and we have a question from Twitter from Brianna Ford. She says, how do you go about creating a web series? And what was the writing process like? Oh, man, the writing process. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so basically, it's me and Devin in our boxers, shirts off, 
uh, talking about, uh, you know, what's it like to be a friend living with cancer? Because I never really took the time to really ask a lot of my friends what they were going through. Um, and so it was really eye-opening uh, of an experience, really. And since then, I've been asking my friends, you know, what was it like for them? Um, because I believe they are like the true heroes in all of this. Um, but yeah, it, it was just writing at three, five in the morning. We write really late for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'm usually the, the story guy and, uh, my other roommate is usually a writer guy and we go back and forth, but it's, I think it's really important, especially if you're working in teams that you have that right person. Who's the, you know, the yin and the yang. And you guys just vibe very well together. Um, but yeah, it was basically very relaxed. Uh, me with some wine. Mate <laughs> <laughs> with some scotch. <laughs> and uh, talking in British accents. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it, that was pretty much it. Just be relaxed. And, and another part of experiencing life, just experience life. And through that, you'll be able to tell wonderful stories, I believe. Uh, Julia, what do you say? Um, I, sorry, I'm. I just got distracted by Twitter. Um, <laughs> it yes, happens. Yes, to um, all of that. Uh, working with a partner is such an incredible. It's such an incredible way to like gauge what it is that you're making. Um, I always, I, I have a writing partner that I work with, and you know that's so easy to get stuck in your head with an idea but the minute you speak it out loud to somebody it becomes much easier to really conceptualize it to really see what that is or it, it's amazing to just have a sounding board that's the best place to start is just to say to somebody what do you think of this crazy thing and um so i say work with a team and then bring people on you know it's just the minute you get a, Several minds are more powerful than just, you know, your one sort of crazy soundtrack in your head going. It's great to have several people looking at a, a thing and getting as many opinions and as much feedback as you can and being humble about it, being open and receptive to what people say and knowing when to um, throw some of it away and um, not being afraid to you know, let go of ideas, kill your babies, if you will. And um, <laughs> that's, it's really important to like, kind of let go of the ego, I think, bring in other people, reach out again, it comes back to that network of just saying, will you help me? Will you will you hear this? Will you read this with me? Um, it that changes the game so much, it becomes a much less daunting task when you reach out to the people who are around you who care about this sort of stuff. Have you found that uh, many cancer patients themselves have found some solace in the work that you've done, Keith? Um, mm. Did you think that they've felt inspired? What's been the reaction from people that can truly and deeply empathize with your story in a way that a lot of us cannot? God, this is a hard question, to be honest. Uh, okay, I guess I don't take compliments very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I received letters and uh, they seem to really enjoy uh, the humor of it and not the doom and gloom of it all. I think that's why people really love 50-50. Um, 
because they you can be honest without being so gloomy all the time um but uh I, you know i'm gonna tell you what like inspires me really um let's say uh going back to actually the people who stick around you know a lot of people say oh you're so brave for facing this that's very nice and all but we are not a fan of hero worship you, a lot of people will say you know and it's, it's nice to hear but it's not as empowering as you think it is because um, we still want to be considered you know our own people now take a firefighter for instance who chooses that profession and runs into that burning building that's a hero uh we didn't choose this life you know that doesn't mean we aren't brave but mm -hmm. going back to the unsung heroes i believe the unsung heroes are the people who stick around after the diagnosis, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I try to tell it from, I, you know, I, I just, I think I'll just leave it at that. The unsung heroes are the people who stick around. It really means a lot to us. Awesome. Um, okay. Me, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, what do you find more terrifying, staring down death or starting a web series? <laughs> <laughs> well, despite the fact that I feel like I'm playing a continuous game of hide and seek with the shrouded one, uh, I would definitely say a web series. <laughs> death is forever. But a web series, if they like it, it can keep going <laughs> and feel like purgatory. Okay. Well, from time to time, a lot of people tell me I should start a YouTube channel, and I often play with the idea, but I know nothing about video software and editing and all that stuff. And as a people, I think we definitely improved since, like, the days of, like, Bigfoot sighting videos <laughs> and things of that nature. With all of that said, the effects <laughs> in your web series are amazing. <laughs> and... um. I'm curious to know, like, what software would you recommend for someone starting out? And also, what software you use? What techniques did you use? And also, will Bigfoot be making an appearance in your web series? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Devin. Yeah, Devin is. He's <laughs> uh, Julie, I'm going to let you handle this one. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't. Um, I actually did not edit the uh the prologue but um everything i do everything on um final cut um i play around a little bit with adobe with you know after effects and premiere but my advice is always to just work with whatever is the most comfortable for you um final cut is sort of no longer the industry standard but it's how i learned to edit you know many many years ago that was what i first started to play around with and um so I, I just say, you know, get a friend who has a, you know, whatever equipment. If you work on a Mac, um, just start with iMovie. That's a really simple place to start. It's so user-friendly, and um, it's very easy to just take your iPhone and shoot a few things and go in there and play around. And, and the Internet is such an incredible resource. Like, mm -hmm. everything that I know about special effects and the more advanced stuff that I've done with editing, I've learned from the internet, just Googling things. And um, it's incredible. We have so many free resources at our 
disposal, the idea that you need to be, um, you should not be scared of the software. That really should be the last thing you're worrying about. You know, if you have a story to tell, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out a way to cut it together and, and tell that story. And then if it's not what you want it to be, that's when you take it to somebody and you say, you know, to a friend who maybe has a little bit more experience um, with and and help them, ask them to help you fine tune the, the edits that you've made. So um, when I did my web series initially, I was just going to cut it together and then take it to another editor and have them help me with the, um, you know, with some of the sound and the, the more, the fine tuning of it. But I realized too that a lot of what I needed to know, I already knew or I could find online. And then I brought somebody in to help me with sound. Sound is sort of the biggest monster, I think, when it comes to um, editing, especially with web series. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one where I say if, if you're not comfortable with editing sound, I always reach out to somebody else to help me because that's really outside of my comfort zone. Um, but, you know, start with what you know. Start with what doesn't scare you. It's such a small component of the of putting something like this together. Don't be afraid. And, you know, worst comes to worst, it sucks and you don't put it up or you send it to your mom and she'll love it, you know, because <laughs> moms love everything. So, yeah, that that's my advice. And, yeah, Bigfoot, I mean, the only Bigfoot character I can think of is Devin. He's so tall. Every time we went to shoot, I'd be like, Devin, you are significantly taller than everybody else in this scene. I need you to – who plays death? I need you to – um shrink just to shrink. so tone it down Devin tone it down yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that yeah um and this question is for all of you uh what is the most important message you want people to take away from the web series hmm. well I'm hoping to use my experience to start a conversation uh there's not enough people in their mid to late 30s talking about this and I find that absurd I hope people will see the show and hopefully be inspired to turn something awful into something cathartic and beautiful and in turn share uh, their experiences with the world. Diana, Julia. I like to piggyback on that. Um, I definitely would like people to be inspired by sharing something that that's really, really dark and tough to get through and know that there are other people out there also going through that and using your artistic outlets to um, not only get through it yourself, but just knowing that others out there are also struggling will inspire someone to um, get through it. So, and also when you have a really good idea, when you have an idea period, not being afraid to put your heart into it and um, make it into a film or make it into a, a TV project, web series. Yeah, and being willing to laugh at yourself, you know, to laugh at <laughs> right. your darkest mm -hmm. moments. Like that to me is such an important message to take away because if you if you can't laugh at it, you know, nobody can. And mm. I think finding just to find the light in every situation it's there and don't be afraid of 
of embracing it, embracing laughter, embracing comedy. It's a really powerful medium. And I think even a, a very powerful way to heal and process with these sorts of situations. Take it and, and laugh. Just don't be afraid of laughter. And on Twitter, I just want to read a comment. It's not a question. This is from Aisha Roberts, who's been tweeting throughout the show, listening in. Um, Aisha has also um, been a survivor of cancer. And she just says that this is exactly what I needed to hear today. Keith's oh advice gosh. is right on time. Um, I have the crying down, LOL, and painting <laughs> again. So <laughs> you go, girl. You got, it. <laughs> got it. You got it. So thank you so much, um, Keith, for coming on. Final question. Tell us where you can learn, um, where we can learn more about Kimosabi and any future projects that you're working on. Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, you can catch uh, Kimosabi at our uh, website, actually. It's Kimosabi, uh, that's C-H-E-M-O-S-A-B-E dot TV. And uh, while you're there, please sign up for our mailing list uh, to stay up to date on all things Kimosabi. And uh, as far as other things I'm working on, uh, like you mentioned, uh, the Cancer Chronicles. Uh, I just got that back um, from a copy editor so it can look nice and neat uh, because I just type and <laughs> punctuation is everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm focusing on that. Uh, and uh, follow me on Keith Walker 456 on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> just in case I didn't throw that out there. And uh, also, of course, uh, there's Kimasabi on Facebook, ladies. Uh, yeah, you can find me at D M Sanchez. That's D E E M S A N C H E Z on Twitter, and I have a website, DianaMSanchez.com. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm all over the internet. I'm at Julia K. <laughs> Or I have um, my web series, Drunk Girls in Heels, which is at... I'm checking it out right now. Yeah, DGIH <laughs> Tweets. Um, that's like a fun, weird one. Um, and yeah, I have a website too, JuliaKSherman.com. If anybody ever needs headshots, uh, I do that. So that's sort of my side project right now. There I am. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so really, much. Really, I mean, this was awesome. You guys gave us a lot of great insight. And obviously what a lot of you have said has resonated with uh, our Twitter users. Um, and thank you, Keith, for, for sharing your story um, and, and sharing it with the world. We, we really need to hear this. Um, so thank you for coming on. And next week, everybody, December the 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are having a Nerdcore podcast. So really excited about this one. We're having a panel of Nerdcore artists starring Samus, Mega Ran, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. They will be on the show. And our co-hosts will be Jamila from Girl Gone Geek and Shaka Cumberbatch. So please tune in for that. And thanks, guys, for listening in. Thank you, LaTanya, for co-hosting tonight. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. You guys have a good night. Bye. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Finally, I'm fine.